0: What is up, Star Mindsets? Happy Monday um, and happy end of the March. Uh, today we're talking another amazing entrepreneur. Guresh Redekar is the CEO and founder of Sprinto. And before I like explain what they do, just want to welcome Guresh into the podcast. So, Gresh, uh, happy to have you here, man. Thank you for making the time.
1: Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me. Excited.
0: Absolutely. Briefly tell us about Sprinto. I know that it has to do with compliance and getting software companies. Up to speed and security but i don't think that's the, the the best way to explain it so do you mind telling us
1: no i think that's close enough uh you know so <laughs> okay. sprinto like you said uh helps other software companies uh you know meet these uh, information security compliances like soc 2 iso 27001 iso gdpr hipaa and if that sounds like an alphabet soup uh, you know I, I think the the more important thing uh to understand here is that these compliances are necessary for uh, uh you know especially SaaS companies to Give enough assurance to their customers that they are keeping the data that has been shared with them as safe and secure. So, so SaaS fundamentally means that my data is on your servers, and I want some assurance that you're keeping this data safe and secure. And these compliances are just a way of you know uh, providing that assurance. So. Uh, what Sprinto really helps these companies do is typically uh, doing these compliances involves a ton of manual work, uh, usually which falls into the desk of the CTO or the CISO inside of the company. And Sprinto automates a bunch of these things which would otherwise require a lot of manual work and, and, and allows you to get this done with a lot less effort, 10x less effort. And that's our simple value prop. Now, This might sound like an information security product and it is, but the real value of this product comes because uh, these uh, like we were passingly touching upon uh, these things are required usually in order for me to close B2B deals, uh, you know, and that's why even though it looks like, uh, you know, information security concern, it's also a revenue concern at the same time. So this really helps me unblock my deals. Close, uh, you know, higher ticket deals, especially, and that's why it becomes really high value for some of the companies who use Sprinter.
0: Yeah, no, that sounds amazing. Uh, just wondering, like, what gave you the inspiration to make this uh, kind of software solve this problem in the in the world? Because, um, you know, without without kind of having experience as like a, someone on the user side or experiences the problem, um, it's kind of hard to realize that this is an issue for See You're absolutely
1: right. Yeah, yeah. This this is a this is a very niche thing, and uh, uh, I mean specifically in in my case, this happened because I ran another B two B SaaS company before this. Uh, so, so we, we I ran another B two B SaaS company called Box before this, and uh, we grew it to more than two thousand five hundred customers uh, across the world. And uh, one of the things that happened while we were running that company is we had to become SOC two ISO twenty seven thousand one compliant because some of our customers asked for these things. So uh, long story short, I had a first-hand experience of you know why you need these compliances, where they become painful, uh, you know how they suck away a lot of engineering and uh, uh, development resources away from what what they ought to be spending it on, and, and you know this whole thing was uh, I would not say it was a very pleasant experience. And I wouldn't say either that you know the idea struck to us, uh, uh, to me and my co-founder at the time, that hey, this is something that we need to do another startup around. But yeah. you know, uh, we eventually exited that company, uh, and we had a year or so before we decided what we do next. And uh, it was one of the things that we could draw upon, you know, as we were thinking about half a dozen startup ideas. So. Uh, you know, the simple thing is, yes, it, it's something that we came across in a previous experience. Uh, we knew that it was a painful thing for us. We validated that it was. We were not alone. Uh, there were a ton of other companies who faced the same problem. So, yeah, that was a inspiration, so to speak.
0: Sure. Uh, and I had to ask, uh, I mean, knowing that you guys are in India, is the, who are you guys going to go after, like the India market first or Asian market first? Or is this like just for everyone who, you know, fits the nation? As want?
1: No, we are a global company from day zero. Uh, even my previous company was like that. So yeah, it, it's not uh, in any way, you know, uh, uh, either in terms of the product or our marketing efforts or sales efforts, we are, we are not focused on India only. Uh, you know, we are uh, we are a global company from day zero, <laughs> both from an nice. employees and an customer perspective.
0: Uh, I'd love to hear Gresh just a little bit more into like, what is the exact problem here since I'm new to the, uh, new to the world of uh, compliance or, you know, this exact compliance, like what exactly do you guys solve for? And like, what is a problem that, you know, is experienced throughout, uh, users?
1: That's a great question. So, you know, uh, let me get into a little bit more specifics. Let's take a compliance program like uh SOC 2 and, and this is like a common program you, you need to, uh, you know, have, uh, an attestation report around, especially if you're selling in North America. Now, uh, a program such as SOC2 will typically have uh, around 100-odd requirements. Uh, these are security practices and processes that you need to implement as a company. Some of these have to do around you know, how you take care of your servers. Do you have enough monitoring around them? Do you uh, make sure that the firewalls are set up correctly? Do you make sure that employees' access to the servers is protected in a certain manner? Uh, you know, how do you manage your code repositories? Uh, who can push code? or does it get reviewed by somebody else and i'm just painting like a few yeah. of those 100 requirements and uh, you know these are just uh, requirements around some standard systems that you might be using uh, there is a ton of other requirements uh, around operational things or corporate governance things that you need to do hey, like do you do background checks on your employees when they join your company do you have a process around onboarding employees do you have a process around offboarding employees what exactly is ensuring that you know you remove access of people when they leave your company to critical systems like you don't want uh, like an ex employee continue to have access to your aws <laughs> sure. servers or something like that so what 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 do you do about that and so on and so forth so uh, you know uh, I gave a few examples, but the the broad idea is that that you as a company are responsible for running about hundreds of these such practices and processes. And not only are you running these uh, and keeping tabs on the fact that these are running on a continuous basis, you're also collecting what is called as evidence of the fact that you're running this. So so to give you an example, uh, let's say one of the requirements or one of the things you're trying to run is that all your team's access to a critical system like AWS has two-factor authentication enforced. And you know, you being a good team might be already doing this, and uh, you know, you, you have two-factor authentication, and, um, and you might be able to show this to an auditor that, hey, look, you know, I, I'm doing this. But a diligent auditor is going to ask you, hey, show me evidence or proof that you've been doing this on a consistent basis. So were you doing this a day ago, a week ago, oh, okay. a month ago, or at some point in the past? So what suddenly really happens is, not only are you running these practices, you're also collecting evidence around the fact that you're running these practices. And that's a ton of work in itself. So as somebody uh, in a fast growing company who is doing this, uh, you know, imagine keeping tabs on these 100 plus practices, making sure they run on time every time without exception and collecting documentation uh, and evidence around the fact that they're running. This is a ton of work. Now, what Sprinter does instead is we integrate with your systems like AWS or your code repositories like GitHub or, uh, you know, where where your employees roster would be, like places like G Suite or anywhere else, and we automatically helping you run these practices and processes and collect evidence around these things, which drastically reduces the amount of manual legwork and busy work that you and your team would be doing.
0: Does that make the picture? Yeah, absolutely. I, I have a better understanding of, you know, what the what it looks like behind the scenes since uh, it's not, it's not really like a instant thing a consumer would kind of, you know, be able to picture. So thanks for that. Uh, I think another point that um, would be amazing to hear your side from is, you know, scaling a B2B SaaS company is often tricky and, you know, at the early stage, especially um, a company under a year old, they can take many routes to do this. Uh, just want to hear from you. Like, what's worked in the past in terms of getting users and um, winning, winning customers with sales?
1: Um, like you said, you know, the, the, the first few customers are always tough. Yeah, uh, you're you're a virtual nobody, and uh, you know, uh, it, it's it's always going to be like a little bit of an uphill climb. Uh, I I guess what often works, uh, you know, is to get yourself into enough scenarios where you're at least uh, giving yourself a shot. Uh, and that simply comes down to like a bunch of like paul graham says things that don't scale uh, you, you know so, so there's no real one formula you, you, you do a bunch of those things some of those things work most of them don't and uh what what specifically happened with sprinter is that we we were working very closely with a few beta customers to begin with and mm-hmm. uh, you know and it's, it's again, not like we had a, a specific method of getting these beta customers. Uh, they happen uh, through a large number of small activities. So so we had a handful, uh, number of beta customers that we work with. And, and honestly, that was primarily around getting the product right. I wouldn't even call them that, you know, this was any any way for us to validate whether this is a repeatable way of actually acquiring customers. Uh, I think we are lucky in the sense that we are in a space where there is a lot of inherent demand for companies who want these compliances. So it was relatively easier, I would say, to Uh to get our first few customers from there on, at least get our first few conversations, if not customers. So it's always tougher with the first uh, conversations because they want reference checks when you don't have many. And, uh, you know, they, uh, they, they, uh, your product isn't uh, it, it, it has a bunch of rough corners which are very apparent and stuff like that. So, so you know, you do what you can. But uh, I, I think the part that we got uh, uh, lucky about uh, in, in the sense that we are in a space which is inherently having such a lot of demand that, uh, you, you know, even though we may not uh, have converted all our initial conversations, we got enough of those initial conversations that we could get like a critical mass of customers. So which is which is, I, I guess, the best you could ask for.
0: I uh, reckon, especially, like, the people I talk to um, trying to find a, a user, like, you just use whatever you can. Like, if you're talking to friends or uh, peers in the industry, then you want them to test something out, right? And that's kind of how sometimes these things begin. And I love your point about bringing up uh, just getting enough conversations. Um, but but that's, you know, that's naturally difficult for, I guess, someone who's new to the space or doing it for the first time. Like, what what advice would you have for uh, making those conversations into, you know, real potential opportunities, or just getting getting them, um, you know, as a long-term customer, things along those lines.
1: Yeah. So, so th- th- those things are hard. I I, I agree. Uh, y- you know, in in our case, uh, this was our second sort of uh, you know saas company so so we had some um, i would say network of other fellow founders that we knew who, who we could reach out uh, at the beginning but i i guess uh, you know if if i think back at the time when we, i was doing my first startup and when you you have very little such uh, Uh, very little to say in terms of network or anything like that. Uh, We honestly just, uh, you know, put out a website and and we just uh, tried to see if, you know, uh, like we we tried to optimize for Google. We ran some ads to see if, you know, did anything we could to get the first few conversations. That that, that was literally what I did in my previous startup.
0: Oh, yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, And your previous company was was RecruiterBox. Maybe, Maybe just hear a little like what RecruiterBox was and, you know, if you
1: don't mind, yeah, sure. So, uh, Recruitbox was uh, the, the technical term for the product was an applicant tracking system. So, uh, and just to sort of oh, like ATS, uh, like your, your yeah, email. it's exactly an ATS. So, so you know what it is, uh, you know. So, so it's just a way of tracking uh, all the applicants who, who apply to your company, keeping track of the interviews that happen, making sure you're, you know, following a certain process and passing them through the stages, and so on and so forth. So that's that's really what Recruitbox gotcha. helps gotcha. Our customers do.
0: Cool. No, that's, that's amazing. Um, I guess coming back into, you know, what Sprint does and all that, uh, you now how has it been, I guess just right now, since the company's, you know, just coming off the area, the A round, which, which was pretty impressive, you know, hearing that Excel and, uh, Bloom Ventures and some other great VCs were also in, in the round, like, uh, coming off of that, like, what is the energy like in the company or what is the, you know, objective for yourself and everyone involved uh, look like now compared to, I guess, six months ago or last year?
1: Yeah, well, obviously, we were all very excited. uh, But uh, I don't think a lot has changed uh, necessarily in in terms of the mindset. So, so, you know, a lot lot before the round actually materialized or, or, you know, at least in a shape that we could actually share it with the rest of the team, uh, we were already in a in a zone where we were growing very fast and uh, you, you know you sort of had this palpable thing where uh, you, you feel like you can grow faster if you could simply uh, add internal capacity like if you could simply find a way of adding more in sales and in more uh, in engineering and stuff you could just simply just grow faster so you're constrained by internal uh, capacity as compared to external, uh, you know, market conditions, which is what they traditionally called a product-market fit, right? So, so that that thing was pretty much pal- palpable in the company even before, and sort of the the, the, the round just gives us the fuel and, and you know the resources to actually meet that uh, capacity requirement. Uh, so, so, so we're happy that that happened, but uh, you know, uh, the the company was already uh, uh, you, you know looking like one which would um, what's the word? Uh, you, you know, we, we were ready to fly before, before, before the fuel came in.
0: Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess just what is it like having taking taking all that kind of just desire or you know motivation, and then actually getting, I, I'd say, capital and trying to make that even greater reality. Is it? Is it? Um, you know, I, I mean. It's it's kind of hard to look like understand from an outsider's perspective if not you know someone hasn't raised capital before but you know what was that like I guess just putting that capital to use and trying to grow the company after the round.
1: Yeah, I mean there is a little bit of a mind, uh, mental shift in the sense that uh, there were a bunch of things that we we sort of blocking ourselves from because we we inherently aware that you know <laughs> these things take uh, a lot more resources than we have at our disposal and it, it requires almost training yourself to say that hey those things are all possible now so, so you you know like, like there are different uh, ideas that have a different amount of activation energy uh, if you will which is basically is a, there is a critical amount of effort or energy or money that's going to be needed to actually make it a real thing. And, uh, you, you know, <clears throat> before you have that kind of money, you're sort of not really thinking in that zone. You're not thinking in that orbit. Yeah, you know, certainly exactly, yeah. you have to sort of like, you know, train yourself that, hey, those all those things which you thought were uh, or you didn't think about are potentially possible and, and you can actually you know execute on some of those things. So uh, personally, it, it, it's something that I need to uh, that I've had to train myself around uh but yeah th- th- that's that's the most visceral thing that comes to my mind
0: no absolutely i love that i think that, uh you know it's it's, it's such an interesting uh, startup plays i guess like uh the, is a success right then it's like you know once that's over, you need to optimize the raise of the future be round or make that money uh last and and it's it's just uh never ending uh, never ending uh, amount of tasks, but but that's it's interesting to hear.
1: Well, we also have more hands on deck to, to help us with Oh, that there you so, go. You know, I, I'm really lucky to have a great team. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, so yeah, it, it doesn't uh, look as overwhelming as I would have, uh, you know, uh, had I not the team yeah. that I do now. Uh, so I'm really lucky and uh, really glad for that.
0: No, that's great to hear. Uh, maybe if you could just talk to us a little bit about like what that process has been like with adding new team members and scaling the company, since uh, it seems like that's what's happening at the moment. And just would love to hear from uh, you, like what it's currently like, or what's, what's the challenge, and how you guys are going through that, or navigating that.
1: Um, so I, I think one of the things that we've been uh, uh, really grateful about is that, uh, th- the set of people uh, who have chosen to join us uh, especially even before uh, you know the round happened and uh, uh, that, that kind of is uh uh, testimony to the fact that, you know, they saw something in, in, in the space and, and and what we were doing and they sort of showed that conviction in us before, you know, it, it's an obvious success, you know, when a series A happens and, and yes, uh, you know, you can all sort of connect the dots in the hindsight, but uh, you know, uh, like a large amount of the, the leadership team that we uh, have today. Uh, showed that conviction in us before this any of this happened, and you know each one of them is uh, worth their weight in gold. They they have been prior founders themselves, they have uh, run startups before, and uh, they're they're incredibly capable about running teams around themselves. Uh, but they joined us at a time where they would have to do a lot more you know hands on work which is what happens in an early on uh, company so you know in spite of being extremely capable of you know leading whole teams of much larger in size they actually got in here pulled up the sleeves uh, got to, got to do the all the dirty work that happens usually in an early stage of a startup uh, and before the series a happened. So, so i'm really really glad to have that nucleus around which we could actually grow uh, you know that around the company so so we could actually uh, grow all the important functions of us you know a technology company whether it's engineering product design uh, sales customer success marketing all of these functions were uh, you know the nucleus for this was there before the a happened uh, which is something that's uh, you know like uh, I, I personally think that that's our biggest
0: win all the different uh, um, aspects of a company you know having design engineering marketing success, customer success and you, know, you, you as a founder ceo who uh, oversees all this stuff like do you have any advice for founders who you know need to i guess oversee all those things and make all those verticals a success like it just seems so uh you know difficult because all those areas it's impossible to be a master at like everything in, in there like what do you think you uh apply or what do you think you've done to uh i guess just Elevate all the aspects um, or all those t- business aspects for for the company. Like, what what is something that people can do?
1: Um, that's a tough one. I, I, <laughs> I, I you know, the answer to this, I feel, is a little bit contextual. Uh, you, you know, any generic advice here is almost uh, not not just useless. It, it could even be harmful. Uh, so so I, I, I'm usually oh, yeah, a little sure, careful sure, about. Sure, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh it's kind know, of generate generic here. yeah so, so I, I honestly i, I think this uh, answer is a little bit contextual so, so usually when uh, you know like a fellow founder asks me this i, I end up asking like a little bit more clarifying uh, questions right. uh you, you just to understand their context a little better uh, and uh and i'm sorry like i'm not giving you a straightforward answer but, but this is one of those things that at uh. least uh, as an operator i feel is a lot more uh nuanced
0: contextual and and, you know in the in the show notes it was saying like uh you could touch about like what it takes to attract you know you're just trying to uh have enough conversations but i think like you know with every SaaS company they want to have as much people um using the product as possible like what in your uh work has you know led to success with getting a lot of users Mm -hmm. or
1: how do you think about getting a lot of users in the
0: future um i i think uh, uh am i audible yeah yeah i can I, I can hear you yeah
1: I, 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 so. I think at the core of all of this is uh, you, you know uh ra, ra, b, b, like to think a little bit about the precursor to uh, you know what it takes to actually uh, get more customers or more users and that that, that sort of is like getting as closer and as specific to what is it uh, really that customers really want out here? And and I know this sounds very generic, but uh, I think given any business, uh, the, the more refined, the more concrete your your description of what exactly is it that uh, you know your customers are really looking out of here, which dimension, uh, uh, it, you know, like you, you could think of all the common dimensions that a product brings. Like it it could be. Time savings in time, savings in effort, or, or you know, savings in money, or, or anything else like you know, more power, or anything else that you could think about. And ask yourself a question about you know, w- could you sort of take this dimension to, to an extreme? Uh, you, you know, like you, you take some of these things and you ask yourself, okay, hey, this takes, uh, you know, th- th- this happens, this takes so much time, or it happens at this pace. and what if I could just make this 10x faster? Would that really make any difference to my to my user? Uh, And if the answer is yes, then you can go about sort of finding out how would you make that 10x faster. But I think the first thing you need to have a bet around or hypothesis around is if you take this one particular dimension and sort of stretch it to its extreme, uh, does that really matter? Uh, you know, does, does the market, does your customer really care about that? And it, it, that sort of helps you narrow down to the dimensions uh, uh, that you need to care about as a company. And you may not be able to make it 10x better, or you, you could maybe be able to make it 2x better. But, you know, that's a, that's a mental tool about, how you think about uh, you know what aspect of your product you are to or, or your offering uh, it needn't be product it, it could be something related to customer service or anything that you could think about but it, it sort of is a mental model to help you think about what aspect of your offering uh, really matters yeah uh, and, and then you can sort of work on actually executing on it right right uh, so, so, uh, otherwise uh, I, I guess what, what would always happen is that you as a company, uh, especially as a growing company, you, you get pulled in like a hundred different directions and, and they all seem equally important depending on what happened yesterday. So, so the most recent things sort of takes priority in your head, but but you don't have an hypothesis of, you know, what's what's really going to sort of help you get to the next orbit of growth. So so every once in a while, it's it's instructive to sort of, uh, you know, to, to think about how to get to a... a to, or how to sort of narrow down to, to that particular thing in your product that's that, that's going to you know help you um, all right get, get to the next next level of growth now, now sometimes it could be one feature of your product it, it could be one gen- overall aspect about just making your product uh um I, i'm 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 not getting the right word over here <laughs> it, yeah?
0: uh, i guess flexible or what do you think no, yeah, sometimes it's that.
1: flexibility, sometimes it's configurability, sometimes it's just more power. Uh, you know, sometimes it's just speed. Right. Uh, and I'm, I'm using generic words because we're talking in general. But you know, given a specific context, it could mean something right. very, uh, very, very specific over there. So, so uh, you know, like in the beginning when we were thinking about sprinter, we, we we used to always think, okay, this takes months. Okay, so what can we do to make it to days? And that's like a good, uh, you, you know, like a benchmark of okay, this is obviously great. That's something that's mission critical and revenue blocking. It takes months and I'm going to bring it down to days. That sounds great. Uh, And and then you need to think about the next thing. Like, what is it that you could sort of make potentially an order of magnitude better? And and, and you you don't necessarily have to make it an order of magnitude better, but, but that's just an instructive way of thinking about the dimensions of your product that you need to work on.
0: No, that's a very valuable point. I think you talked about just shortening Time from months to days, especially with a company, and I know, like, if you let the months go on, the motivation might decrease. So, pretty uh, important to try to, you know, make a product, um, or you know, let the company's efforts turn from months to days. Um, Interesting. Uh, I'd love to, I guess, also talk about that. But if you would, you be able to, Gresh? Maybe we edit this part out. But like, what do you think you did or the company did to shorten that time span with? regards to product uh, like, uh pro- like in terms of product management or, or in in that space uh, in, in regards to what you guys do You mean uh, you're able- trying
1: to sort of uh come up with the things that would actually make the product better
0: yeah 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 and just how 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 you were able to go about making the months into days with uh with like people's mindsets yeah sprinter yeah
1: yeah, so so uh, you know, like very quickly, this, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah so, and, and this is uh, this is no different than the, you know how would you uh, as an engineer sort of go about an optimization problem? Like let's let's imagine that there's something like like this server you are you're looking at, and you are saying that okay, th- this particular server returns a request in a second, and you've been asked to make it you know an order of magnitude faster. So so you got to re- return it in hundred milliseconds and. and Fundamentally, what you would start doing as an engineer is you start looking at all the places where it takes a lot of time. Like, you know, you just make a long list of each and every place and you sort of just inventory it all and see, okay, okay, this is where it takes uh, days. Okay, this is the part which takes long, more time, et cetera. It's, it's, a, it's a gruesome uh, or it's a grueling exercise about just coming up with a list. It, it's literally just going through, uh, you know, more and more of such cases and sitting down and figuring out okay uh, the reason it takes months is you know we spend so many days doing this so many other days doing that so many other days doing that and, and so on and so forth and you you uh, we literally had to do this manually uh, you know mm-hmm. with, with the early customers so, so we literally sat with them we took them through and talked to audit and, and we were learning the ropes as as this happened no product no nothing so we actually you know just going about it, it's the way it would actually work in the real world out without sprinter and wow. that gave us like a perfect idea of you know what really does a SOC2 audit mean? Like what does it really entail? What is it that becomes painful for the customer? What is it that's actually important for the auditor? So, so there, there's another stakeholder in this entire equation, which we uh, which is commonly forgotten. It's, it's at the end of the day, the auditor is going to be the one who gives you this attestation or the certification. So they are an important stakeholder. And what do they care about it is important to know. So we spend a ton of time doing this. And uh, you know, so we had a really good grasp of what this meant Without Sprinto, like without any product coming into play at all, so, so you know it's easy to get colored about technology and, and yeah. the, the bright shiny thing that your product is gonna do. Uh, but, but we were doing this with the brass tacks, you know, like we were literally there to, trying to do this in a in, in, as human a way as possible, wow. and that gave us a really good insight into what does this really take, and you know along with almost like a uh, like an inventoried list of what takes time what's relatively easier and, and what are the <laughs> things that become painful where the gotchas are and, and so on and so forth so uh, from there as engineers it's relatively easier to translate that to uh, you know like uh, how, how do you fix basically the things that take more time so, so we learned that you know integrations or automation is a way of one of the ways to do solve some of these problems workflows are a way of solving some of the other problems and so on and so forth you know as as engineers it's a relatively easier to come with ideas, uh, it's, it's, it's a relatively harder harder to find problems that those ideas can solve. So, so we actually uh, try to do the opposite which is try and find the exact problems that that, that these ideas can actually solve uh, in, and which is a, which is a harder exercise because you know my first instinct as a as a programmer is that hey, let's write code <laughs> and we had to sort of resist that temptation and you know uh, say, okay let's find out what is it that we are going to solve first exactly.
0: <laughs> No, that's so, that sounds really exciting and, and um, really, you know, I don't think as much counterintuitive, but, you know, with, with what you said, just getting into the human aspect and, and learning from it from a, that point of view and, and getting into tech later, that sounds really valuable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so coming back into that, uh, I was asking you about... Um, Reading about how customers use who use Sprinto, they can actually accelerate the revenue, all save costs. I believe. What uh, What exactly do you think enables that to happen? I know Sprinto solves a lot of the compliance aspects, but uh, uh, I just want to hear from you. Like, what exactly solved that problem and they're in.
1: Um, You You mean uh, you're asking? Uh, you know, do they uh, Do they get get anything? Over and above the fact that you know uh, they get to the compliances that they want a lot faster, uh,
0: what other things? Uh, oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, something along those lines, yes. Yeah,
1: so like I said, uh, you, you know, getting to the compliances is a is a mean to an end. Uh, so, so what they really care about is answering uh, you know security questions from their customers. So, so this is how a typical SaaS sale actually uh, you know works out. Uh, like imagine you're a SaaS company. Uh, you're sort of trying to sell your product to this uh you know relatively larger company who tends to have um, internal processes around how they sign on new vendors so you 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 sort of found champion in the company you showed them your product they like you Uh, you went through all the hoops you you sort of navigated the internet bureaucracy and and you know finally you are at a point where they want to use you Uh, but not so fast they're suddenly now going to ask you that hey there there is like a security due diligence that all our vendors have to go through and uh, they say are you sought to comply and now you are like, uh, w- w- what is this? And, and you know, they said, No, I mean, you know, without being soft to compliant, uh, we cannot actually sign this deal with you. So, so you you sort of now bending over backwards, uh, this thing sure. which you thought was going to be just about sign, like uh, you, you're trying to figure out, you know, what this thing is, what's it going to cost, uh, how much time it's going to take, and uh, and so on and so forth. And you realize, uh, you know, by most uh, uh, uh online commentary that you know this is going to take months and you are like hey this is uh, this is this doesn't make sense you know and uh, so so basically uh, what Sprinter really helps you do is not only do we help you reduce the amount of time and effort that you spend on this but, but we actually help you unblock that particular deal so we, we help you for example uh, understand that uh, you know we can we, we can help you get to a point where you can actually share like a security report with your customers and, and sort of give them an assurance that, hey, we already have a security program in place. And while SOC 2 might still take a few days, yeah. uh, you know, build enough confidence that uh, you, you're you on the way to actually building like a good security program. So, so there are a bunch of tactics that Sprinter can also help you with uh, to specifically unblock a deal that you're looking at. But eventually for most of our customers, this is something that is really, uh, you know, like uh, helping them amplify the segments that they go after, uh, you know, suddenly, uh, more upmarket customers are accessible to you because you're compliant with the security practices. In many cases, uh, you look a lot more formidable and, uh, you know, uh, you look more serious uh, as a company to, to some of these customers. So, so you know, as, as a young startup, you often get asked, uh, how, how big are you, uh, you which, is, which is basically a proxy for them uh, to understand whether, uh, you know, are you going to be around tomorrow? Are, are you serious about oh, it? You yeah. uh, Stuff yeah. like that. But, but you know, uh, like uh, having some of these compliances actually makes you look more formidable. And, and it's sometimes uh, even a competitive advantage, you, you know, like you could be among the three or four people who are in the race for the, for the same thing. And and there might may not be much to separate between you, but but you know having uh, uh, being able to portray a confident posture around your security could sometimes even clinch a thing for you. You know, like it, it just allows yeah. you to look like uh, uh, fairly uh, serious about how you take security and uh it at least stops you from getting wedged out by you know some of your more established competition who going to you know go in all guns blazing saying that hey we are soft to compliant etc so you can say yes yeah, so are we uh, and, and so forth. So, so. Wow, so you at wow. least Covered yourself with a few bases. So yes, this has a bunch of implications, uh, you, you know, uh, over and above the fact that you did become more secure as a company, and it does have a bunch of uh, serious implications, especially in the B2B marketplace. Um, so so it, it's something that uh, I would urge every SaaS founder to sure. uh, to look at fairly closely.
0: Sure, sure. No, I'm just learning. I, I didn't realize how important this is. You know, when you brought up like a sale that needs to come through and it's you know verbally committed, but there's not. That aspect that's critical, which is uh, getting it, you know, soc or GDPR or HIPAA, whatever yes. it might be, right? So, yes. getting get, getting that, uh, and I think you just want to learn a little bit, tiny little bit more about how the Sprinto do that. Does Sprinto say, "I'm a user of Sprinto," like, and uh, I need exactly what you said. I need uh, what's it called, like a like a like a soc you know, that's it, soc or something like uh, to prove to the the other party that i'm you know
1: following some security practice exactly
0: yeah yeah what 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 happens with the technology that you guys have and how does it right so
1: uh you know uh, what we typically do is we have an internal uh compliance architect or security architect team and one of the first things that will happen as soon as you sign up with sprinter is is our team will uh you know help you set up the basic security program that you would Uh, Anyway, needs. So so what really happens is, uh, you have a bunch of policies that that fall into place. They are baked into Sprinter. So so these are things like information security policy, uh, data protection policy. uh, this is documents about what you as a company are going to follow as a security program, uh, and these are important. Like these, your customers are going to ask you for these often. You know, so this is just a way of formalizing what your security program ought to be. And right. then Sprinto is going to, uh, you know, we will help you integrate uh, uh, your your Sprinter account to your AWS account. Let's say that's what you're using, your Google Cloud account or your Azure account. Will will help you integrate Sprint your Sprinter account to. Uh, let's say, where, you, where you're where you writing your code repositories, uh, you know, whatever you're using for your email system, which, whether it could be Office 365 or, you know, Google Workspace mm-hmm. or anything like that. And we help you set up all of these various integrations. And what really happens as, a, as soon as you've done this integration, so Sprinto has given you like a picture of, hey, these are all things, uh, you know, this is where your uh, current posture is. Uh, this is where you are today and a good security program would like, would mean that you need to be at this place. And, and you know, everywhere where we see a gap that hey this particular server doesn't have a firewall set up on it. You, you don't have two factor oh, authentication okay. set up over here. Or you, you know, these are the places where you, you need to make sure that your code repositories are configured in a different manner. And so on and so forth. So we'll point out all of these things for you, and our team team sort of helps you. It's not like you're you're left on your own to figure these things out. Our team actually hand holds you through implementing. <laughs> you know what this would really mean, because you will have a bunch of questions, obviously, uh, at this point of time, as to why are we really doing this? What does that really mean? Uh, what sure. happens if I do it this different way, and so on, so forth? So we're well aware of you know uh, the fact that you will have a bunch of these questions, and we help you implement the uh, you know each of those practices and processes, and get you to a point where you are a lot more green on Sprinto as compared to red, um, you know where a bunch of those gaps are fulfilled, and you fairly quickly can get to a point where you can uh, demonstrate a reasonably good security posture uh, to to your anybody outside of your company, saying that hey, look, we have. Uh, we follow these practices around how we do uh, right, right, right. you know how we do ci and cd uh, we follow these practices around how we protect our critical accounts uh, from you know uh, like for, by using two factor authentication this is what we do around our employee laptops this is what we do when uh, this is our basic onboarding process and so on and so forth so so, so sprinto sort of helps you convert complex security or compliance requirements simple to understand business requirements that you and your team already understand. Like if you're an engineer, you know what sure. to do over here. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're a people operations person, you know what to do here. And that translation to uh, from something that's opaque and ambiguous to, to something that's very simple. And, and you know, like you're just going through a list and saying, okay, this, 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 I need to fix. And this picture is automatically showing you that, okay, you, you fix this, you're green here, you're green here, you're green here. This is the only thing that's pending. It just, uh, immensely i would say liberating like it's just very simple Uh, and and, you know that's that's basically how we get you to to a point where you can actually uh, you you know you're fixing at least the obvious security holes uh, that you might have as a company fairly quickly
0: wow yeah that that, it does sound so complex like how would somebody without you know maybe the software whatever go about fixing these issues and it seems like you were able to
1: yeah, you do what we, used to, we had to do in my previous company, which is, you know, you hire a consultant. Uh, oh, okay. you know, they, they sit with you and, and you know, <laughs> these long uh, conversations where, uh, you know, it can get pretty uh, overwhelming and it takes a lot of time and it's also expensive.
0: Wow, yeah, that, that makes life easier, I'm imagining. So congrats for that. One last thing, uh, a couple, two more things here, Duresh, uh, just, uh, we could switch the, I guess, conversation to raising the Series A and I want to say congrats to you. Um, Excel is, you know, one of the best VCs um, known by many in the world. I think, you know, their success goes a long ways. I think they back Facebook, if I'm not mistaken, and a lot of other great successful companies. Uh, and getting getting Excel and and I guess the term sheets from Bloom Ventures and the whole fundraising process it's a really difficult thing to do. Uh, just, I mean, can you talk to me a little bit about like what it was like working with Excel and getting them as a VC for you guys?
1: So we are invested in by Elevation, Axel, and Bloom. Uh, right. So, no, know, uh, so, so, and uh, the, the experience—it's—it's uh, it's still early days, and, and I'm, I'm really happy that they're really helpful. Uh, you know, they—they they have helped us a, a ton about how to think in you know as a Series A company, and what is it that we really need to focus on as as founders, and the things and the practices and. Uh, processes that we need to set up inside of the company to sort of set ourselves for fast growth. So, so I'm really, uh, you, you know, excited and happy to have them on board. Uh, all of them, they've been really helpful. And, uh, you know, for contrast, uh, like my, the previous startup I ran was a completely bootstrapped one. Uh, you know, So uh, th- this is the first time I'm raising as well, uh, honestly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, it, it's a little surreal, I would say. Uh, it, it's good to have, uh, you know, more people rooting for you. Uh, more people having your back uh, a bootstrap company can sometimes become a fairly uh, I, I would say yeah. in some sense uh, you know like in, in, the, in the sense of the word it can become a little bit of a lonely affair because right. you don't really know what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong you're just running your uh, uh, running, the, uh, running yeah, yeah. the thing the way you like and uh you, you know that, that has a few downsides. Like you, you it's good to get some feedback uh, once in a while. And I think uh, having a few other people who are kind of like your co-founders uh, is 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 a great thing to have. So I, I would really uh, like. Uh, so I'm really happy with the way the process is going. And uh, yeah, so I'm also very happy that uh, they've shown a lot of conviction in us. Um yeah, you know, you know, and uh, that's a really sure. hard thing to see.
0: What do you do? You, I mean. Do you think that do you have any advice to people who are raising an a round about getting one of the, like the top tier VCs to to back you? I think like you know so much of the industry is just uh highlighted on the media about like doing I don't know doing something or saying a specific thing or being something but I I mean even through my own experience as a VC I think it's that when you can really communicate that there's value in your idea or there's value in the future and then it 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 brings them on um uh do you think that there is something special that you you did or were able to uh explain or show to the investors um just since uh that stuff is always tricky and you know at early Um, stages it's it's, uh
1: i think it's a good question yeah but honestly like I don't think I'm the right person to answer that. Primarily because this is the first time I'm raising, so I'm hardly like an expert on this. You know, like my 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 experience has been very anecdotal. Uh, And again, I I think it's it's not a good idea to draw any conclusions from that. Yeah, maybe you know after we have raised a few more rounds, uh, maybe I'll be a little better suited to answer that. But honestly, I I don't feel uh, uh, you know credible enough to to sort of answer that today.
0: It's all—it's all good. No worries. Um, coming into like the last segment of the podcast, uh, really enjoyed learning about Sprinto. It seems like there's so much potential for this technology and so much problems it solves in internal companies. That uh, it's really exciting to 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 hear about. Um, so the last couple here, question questions here, Giresh, are, uh The question is, uh, what what advice would you give to your twenty-year-old self in regards to building a startup or Making a
1: company. Wow, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, it's it's this is hard because, uh, yeah, this is I guess another way of asking. You know, what would I do differently if I were twenty today? And <laughs> it's a little hard <laughs> for me to uh, think that way. Uh, but you know, if you don't mind, I, I'll just sort of. It's easier for me to think about. Uh, uh, this, in the sense that, you know, what are some of the important things that I've learned since, since I was twenty, uh, and and so, especially yeah. related to startups and, and maybe, uh, yeah, I, I guess the the most important thing that I learned, um, if I had to pick one or one of the most important things, at least, is is the fact that I learned that you know startups and business are not a zero sum game, and you you know it's it, it's obvious from where I stand today, but uh, uh, and it's probably obvious to most of us who have lived around entrepreneurial cultures. But sure. that is not how I grew up. So, so you know, growing up, all the pop culture around me was where the rich business guy was always the bad guy. Uh, they will almost all invariably build their business and accumulated their wealth by doing something shady. And I always had this image that a fixed, you, you know, there was this fixed amount of money and wealth in the world. And the business was a game of how you could acquire more share of that. Uh, wow. Which, which fundamentally meant that you know, for you to acquire more money, somebody is losing money <laughs> at the end of the day, and uh, I, I think the the most important thing that I've learned, uh, uh, you know, since I've twenty, I, I've been twenty, <laughs> so is that <laughs> uh, most innovative businesses grow by actually increasing the size of the pie, rather than appropriating somebody else's portion of the pie, and this. Fundamentally, sort of blew my mind when I, when I actually <laughs> learned it. And, and you know, I don't mean this happened in a in a very specific point in time. It happened very gradually, mm-hmm. but it I think fundamentally rewired my brain, and and uh, you, you know that that actually allows me to uh, or, or it let me think about startups as a viable thing that I would enjoy doing and I would love doing. And it it happened as a slow and an enduring process, and. Uh, you you know that, that that's something that I uh, really treasure. So so if, sure. if there was something that I would tell tell my twenty <laughs> year old self. It'll, it'll be this that hey it's it's not a zero sum game. Uh, for you to win, it's not like somebody else has to lose. It is the pie that's growing. And yeah, I, I don't know if that uh, sounds as uh, no, that's, phenomenal as it does to me. But yeah, th- that that's what was really helpful for me.
0: No, that's definitely another way of thinking. I think that uh, it's, it's, it's it's pretty common to see this as like a. I don't want to say evil or anything, but like you know, bad, right? Like sometimes, like Uber. If you look at what Uber did to taxis, and they're, they're probably shrunk. But like, I think in general, like it's it's normally something that grows high, and that's good for the economy. That's good for not only yourself, but everyone else who benefits from that. So, down. Really Thanks. Yes. Sounds great. Uh, last question, Grush, or second last, one, promise, is a. Uh, if you were to explain your startup mindset, um, or put into your words, you know the attitude and mindset you have towards building and scaling sprinter. What is that?
1: Man, you do ask some hard questions. I'm sorry. Uh, if I could just, <laughs> yeah, more, that's right That's right I think, it what your think that's, it. It? Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I I don't know if this exactly uh, sort of covers the answer, uh, uh, but but I, I often think about Paul Graham's statement, you know, about make something that people want. And I, I think that's perhaps the best way of summarizing how I think about, uh, you know, whether it's growing Sprinto or in general about startups themselves, because, uh, you, you know, like this is again, a little bit of a historical thing, because when I first started thinking about startups and, you know, working on my first startup, I, my mental model about startups was about Coming up with ideas—that that's how I used to think—it uh, sure. was was an important thing in startups. And while that's not entirely incorrect, it's not entire, the, entirely correct either. And I think uh, my my, my the, the way I think about my mindset right now is that magic really happens when an idea in your head overlaps with a want or a need that's outside of your head. And uh, you know, uh, and. Like what I train myself to do is uh, to learn about that want or a need first, and, and the idea follows. Uh, you know, like in the sense that rather than sitting in a vacuum and thinking about ideas about doing something, uh, you know, like it, it's 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 better to look up for. There are various forms this will take. This will either take a form of a problem or an opportunity or a want or a need that actually exists out there. And uh, so my startup mindset is to keep looking for that magical overlap. You know where where. Uh, you sort of find a problem or a uh, this unsolved thing, like this thing where everybody assumes that this is the only way it can be done, and th- that is it, and, and you know this is the way of the world; it can't get any better, uh, or you know this thing which everybody's uh, really pained about, but uh, you know they would like to solve, but it's not getting solved. But I I I would basically say that uh, you start looking for that overlap between uh, a way of solving a problem but more importantly a problem that really people want solved Uh, and it may not always look like a problem it might look like a toy that's why i don't necessarily like the word problem it it could be a toy it could be a uh, it it could be something else uh, entirely but but when you find that overlap is when magic happens and and, you know uh, it's a ton of work to make it into a viable fast growing business still but it's a starting point like there you've yes. given yourself a shot to sort of, you know, like transform it into something that's that's like a fast growing startup. But uh finding that is uh is, is something that I uh, you know constantly keep looking for. Whether you know it could be something as minute as you're building like a tiny feature inside of your product, and getting it down to the the, the essence of what is it that this feature is really going to do for your customer, um, and whether it actually does that. And then you could start thinking about ideas. I, I think ideas are relatively easier for you know at least a, a certain class of uh, people who are in engineering or or in some sort of a creative pursuit. Uh, you know, but but finding real problems or or real wants or needs that those ideas will eventually solve is harder. And I've sort of, uh, that's my startup mindset, so to speak, you know, like I keep looking for those things and and, and see, uh, you know, what could solve them. I'm not sure if that answers the question you had in mind, but yeah, that's something that came to my mind.
0: Okay, so the last part of the show is exactly how can people who need compliance solved or are interested in the space find Sprinto and, and um, check Sprinto out.
1: Yeah, we are on sprinter.com uh, www.sprinter.com uh, Do pay as a visit, uh, you know, I uh, would love to talk to you. If, if there's anything you want to ask me, I'm Girish at com. Uh, happy to hear from you.
0: Thanks so much, Girish. You know, I learned a lot and i um, really fascinated by the work that you're doing, so best of luck in the future
1: thanks Dan I love being here Uh, thanks for having me
0: (laughs) no absolutely just want to say thank you so much to the listeners of the Startup Mindsets podcast this is your host Dan and yeah if you guys would like to hear more subscribe to us on Apple or Spotify or any other services that you're listening to us on and uh, yeah more to come from us see y'all next week